Yes. This is about the shaktis of Krishna. As we know that one gets bhakti by the descent of the Swarup Shakti into the Sadhaka. And spiritualizes one's Sadhaka Deha by that. The question is that, like we were discussing the other day, what, how, how much is the distinction between each of the Shaktis? They are distinct, but also they are considered to be the same. Like, uh, uh, expansion of one Shakti into many. And uh, also, if we consider the various Shaktis to be originating from the Swayam Shakti, Sri Radha, then would it not make the Shaktis like Jiva Shakti or Mahashakti to be part and parcel of Radha, just like Jiva is part and parcel of Krishna, so, but Jiva is not part and parcel of Swayam Shakti, at least that's not uh, found in the scriptures. And, and so what is the interrelation between the Shaktis and how are they related to Krishna? So, if you can clear. Well, let's look at the three primary Shaktis. We have the Swarup Shakti, we have the uh, Maya Shakti, and the Jiva Shakti. Hmm. For example, right? And in a broad sense, you have as Krishna is the Swayam Bhagavan, the Shaktiman, Radha is the uh, Swayam Shakti, Shaktiman and Shakti, the, the energetic, the energy, energetic source and the energy that it, it, it generates. So I think in a kind of an overarching sense, we will look at Radharani as presiding over all shaktis. Um, that said, while there is some, tends to be more of a correspondence between the Sarup shakti and the maya shakti, <coughs> which sometimes, for example, Prabhupada explained as electrical energy, heating and cooling, hmm? that example holds true to some extent with regard to the maya shakti and the Jiva Shakti. For example, uh, sometimes we refer to the uh, the Shakti of Bhagavan as Yoga Maya. Hmm? So it has a diluting influence and an enlightening influence. Krishna invokes the term Yoga Maya in Gita also with regard to his, his material energy. Hmm? People think that don't understand me, they're, they're covered by my yoga maya. Hmm? So the, the power of shakti to delude and to enlighten, and with, and, and with regard to that, furthermore, the fullest measure of the enlightenment under the influence of the sarup shakti, hmm? yoga maya in that sense, is also, also a kind of bewilderment or delusion. Hmm? Because the people, the inhabitants of Golok, the Brajbasis, they're deluded. They think that, uh, they don't think of Krishna as the Supreme Personality of God in that sense. Yoga Maya is deluding them in the context of enlightening them. There may be lesser, so to speak, manifestations of the influence of Yoga Maya that appear more enlightening, overtly, by nature, 
Vaikuntha, they appear more overtly enlightened. Hmm? Of course, there is only an appearance of delusion in Golok, um, and they're fully enlightened. But when you go, sometimes let's say too far to the left, you, you come out on the right, and so suddenly the highest manifestation of the illuminating potency has a deluding nature to it as well. And 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 then we have the deluding energy of aspect uh, influence of, of the Maya Shakti. Hmm? So um, there is some correspondence there between the Maya Shakti and the and the Sarup Shakti. That's why another name for Radha is Durga. Hmm? Durga means difficult to go from, and we can say it means difficult to go to. So it's difficult to go to Radha, and it's difficult to go from, uh, come out from under the influence of, 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 of the Maya Shakti. So as much as there's a goddess that presides over the Maya Shakti, Durga, who, and all the goddesses, are partial manifestations, if you will, of, of Radha. That's all the gods are partial manifestations of Krishna. So there is some this correspondence between Maya Shakti and and uh, Srup Shakti, and in a, in a kind of a broader sense, we can say, as sometimes it is said, it's one Shakti functioning in different ways. Um, but we tend to emphasize the difference more, hmm? and it is distinct. At at least the <laughs> the Maya Shakti is. Um, in another sense, uh, um, it's constituted of the gunas, material gunas, and Sarup Shakti is constituted of Samvit Ladini and Sadini. By contrast, you can well refer to, and sometimes it has been referred to, the Maya Shakti is Asat, Achit, Nirananda. So opposites are similar but very different. So one Shakti. Sup Shakti is the Nirguna, and then the very basis of the Maya Shakti in all of its manifestations is the is the gunas that of, of uh, Sattva Rajas and Tamas that aren't present in the Sup Shakti. So you know we tend to emphasize their difference in const, const, their in constitution. Now when you come to the Jiva Shakti, <laughs> it's a little more peculiar. Yeah, the Jiva Shakti is is a, a manifestation of the Paramatma. Hmm? Mahasankarshan in Vaikuntha, hmm? appearing as Mahavishnu in the world. All of the realms and the forms of the Godhead that preside over them have uh, jivas, and jiva in general is a, is a shakti, tattva. So in Golok we have the jivas that are constituted of sarup shakti that uh, manifest as Krishna's father and mother, hmm? Radha, Lalita, Sridham, Sudham, so forth, hmm? Raktak, Patrak. In Vaikuntha you have also associates of, of Krishna, of Vaikuntanath of, of, of there. Hmm? Um, when 
the Mahavishnu, Mahasankarshan manifests as the, as the Mahavishnu, then he has his jivas too. Hmm? Jivas corresponding with the different forms of the Godhead. And in that instance, the one becomes many, and and so there are the Buddha, the Nityabhada jivas. So they are, in, in a sense, a shakti manifestation of the um, the Paramatma. Hmm? Um, now Mahavishnu's got his his Lakshmi, that's true, <laughs> but he's also got all of us, so to speak, that are Shatvi Shakti Tattva manifesting from him. Um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has spoken about it as one energy manifesting differently by way of saying that Radha presides over the Sarup Shakti. Sarup Shakti is constituted of Sandini, Ladini, and Samvit and Ladini. There's a gradation there. And um, which words literally mean existence, knowing, and uh, let's say um, loving. Then you have the Jiva Shakti, and then you have the Maya Shakti. And he says that the Jiva Shakti is a partial manifestation of the Sarup Shakti. It's a little controversial but statement, but what he means by it is that because in the Jiva there is Sat, Chit, and Ananda, it's constituted of Sat, Chit, Ananda. This is different than the Sat, Chit, Ananda of Bhagwan, but still such it ananda that has some correspondence with sandini, sambit, ladini. And he says, if you were to remove the maya shakti's influence on the jiva shakti, it could attain up to brahmagyan, up to um, um, brahmananda, the bliss of brahman, uh, the bliss, uh, the, the knowledge of brahman. Of course, technically speaking, you'd have to have a little bhakti there. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the way to remove the Maya Shakti. And so you have the Sandini, Ladini, Sambit. You have a kind of a, you can see there's a kind of a correspondence, Satchit Ananda. And then in Maya Shakti, you have Asat, Achit Ananda. So he describes the Jeev Shakti as a partial manifestation of the Sarup Shakti, and the Maya Shakti as a distorted manifestation of the Sarup. Shakti, whereas eternity, knowledge, and bliss manifests as non-eternal, non-cognizant, and nirananda, not blissful, no bliss. Hmm? So he does try to draw them together like this, and I, I think that I don't, ha- I haven't seen, I've seen that kind of connection being made between the Maya Shakti. And the, and the Sarup Shakti, as I say, with the presiding goddesses, for example, of Radha and Durga, and Durga being one of the many Shakti Tattva goddess manifestations. But there's no particular goddess that presides over the Tattasta Shakti, hmm. <laughs> um, which comes under the Durga's influence, right? Or comes under the, uh, the Radha's influence. And it really doesn't have an in-between position. 
Hmm. So it's a shakti that is that is that is uh, in that sense also connected with either Durga hmm, or connected with Radha, both of who are uh, deities um, hmm, that are one and expressing themselves as Shakti differently. So it depends how you want to talk about it, whether they're, they're, they're one in some broad overarching sense or they're distinct. They're obviously distinct in their makeup, in the way they function, and so forth. We can't function like the Sarup Shakti. That's why we're, uh, it's possible for us to be uh, deluded by the Maya Shakti. Maya Shakti can't function like the Sarup Shakti, hmm? um, nor like us. Hmm? Therefore, it responds to the input that we we give, and so on and so forth. We Daryate Majogat, we, we, we sustain it and make it go around and so forth even while its influence is, um, 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 we, while we are under its influence. So I think the way uh, the answer to your question is kind of depends how you want to, how you want to look at it, from what angle. If we consider the Maya Shakti as manifestation of the original Sarup Shakti, or the Jiva Shakti as one of the manifestations of Shakti, then it leads to a problem that to consider that the Sarup Shakti or Radharani is controlling the Maya Shakti or is controlling the Jiva Shakti. That idea comes into picture, but that's not the case. She does not control Maya Shakti, she does not control Jiva Shakti. It is the Shakti of Krishna. So, how do you uh, clear this doubt then? Although they have some correspondence, but Radharani is not sitting on top of Maya Shakti and she is not carrying out the affairs of this world. It is the Shakti of Krishna. But Durga is carrying out the affairs. Yeah. She's a manifestation of Radharani. But all the Shaktis at the same time are Shaktis of Krishna. Radharani is a Shakti of Krishna. Mm. So if Radharani is a Shakti of Krishna and if Radharani is the source of all Shaktis, then they're all related to Krishna. As his shaktis, mm-hmm. you can't get around that. That that doesn't. If we say Radharani presides over the shakti, it doesn't it doesn't exclude the fact that mm-hmm. Krishna presides over all of the shaktis. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I would prefer to talk about it as they're Krishna's shaktis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for his many purposes. Mm-hmm. Radharani is the principal shakti tattva who manifests along with Vishnu in all of his appearances hmm? and um, and and one of them is the Maya Shakti Durga uh, Krishna doesn't get that close to her hmm? she doesn't approach him directly she's embarrassed he has a relationship with her hmm, in that form and it's a distant one his relationship with, with her is that he defers to her um, uh, justice, uh, the justice that she, uh, res- with which she responds to the input from the jivas. So the jivas interact with the Maya Shakti, and there's a just response that's due from that. We call that karma. Mm-hmm. And Krishna allows that to happen. If he didn't, then Maya Shakti would have no, no purpose. So he has a relationship with her in that way. 
Um, and of course, he has a direct relationship with Lakshmi, Gopika's Radha, um, uh, and we know how he interacts with them. With the Jiva Shakti, he interacts hmm, by primarily extricating the Jiva Shakti from the influence of the Maya, Maya Shakti. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Maharaj, I have a question regarding uh, Ladin Shakti. Mm-hmm. Like, Prabhupada didn't bring it up until Chaitanya Charitamrita. Although, I'm sure I'm wrong on that. But I, that's what I remember. And he brought it up as the internal potency, the internal pleasure potency of Krishna. Specifically, Radharani. <coughs> so my question is, how is that unique and separate from the uh, internal shakti that you're speaking about, Krishna's sarup shakti? Are you saying that you don't remember Prabhupada using the term Ladini shakti? I, I don't. Yeah, that's. Uh-huh. But he's always used the term internal energy, yeah. right? Ladini shakti, I remember mostly. The term Ladini Shakti is uh, is uh, you know invoked in Chaitanya Charitamrita at some length in the fourth chapter of the Adi Lila. Particularly, it's it's uh, much uh, to do with the subject there. Um, and so the Ladini, you may be right. I, I don't know if he used it in his Bhagavatam lectures uh, or, or commentaries. He may have, but the Ladini Shakti is uh, along with Sambit and. And the sandini, they are the elemental constituents of this of the internal energy. So, internal energy is ladini shakti. Ladini shakti is the is the is the like the loving or the pleasure, the ananda aspect of that internal shakti. Samvit is the knowing aspect, and sandini is the existence. Sometimes it's said that Balaram presides over the sandini, Krishna over the samvit and Radharani over the Ladini. Hmm? And in the ultimate issue, Srip Shakti presides over Krishna <laughs> in Leela, although he's presiding, this such is her her power. Had one other question. Um, in the Paramatma Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami mentions that the Jiva is referred to as the Jiva in one situation and the Atma in a liberated situation. Is there any, is it just a technical comment? Well, sometimes we use the term Jivatma. So I, I think that uh, in Advaita Vedanta they refer to the, to the conditioned, well, to the, what would you call it, to the, to, the, to the sense of self in material existence to be the Jiva. Um, I guess how do they use the term Atma because they don't think there is an individual Atma I say Atma is one with Paramatma it's a technical uh, Mm. term again we use the term Jivatma maybe Jiva Goswami uses it in that way the Jiva the Jivatma and the Atma he says in the conditions call it Jiva Jiva I, I don't even know which one he yeah. makes a Yeah, I forget that. Forget that part. But something technical. Yes. What is the experience of somebody who's in the How do they experience Brahmanishtam. Is that where some of the Brahmanishtam. 
Yeah, well, um, it means that they're grounded in in a, a spiritual perspective, so it could mean a number of things uh, from different traditions. Um, Samadarshina, Samad, uh, for example, how they see the world, so Samadarshina. They see Darshina, Sama, equally. Um, what does the Gita say? Pandita hmm. Samadarshina. Whether it be a cow, a dog, a dog or a Brahmin, this is in the fifth chapter. Speaking about a I believe a person in knowledge hmm, hmm, sees equally. By contrast, a purple person who's not situated in a, um, in a spiritual perspective sees unequally, right? And makes discrimination, friends and enemies and uh, nations and, and so on and so forth. Hmm. Um that's kind of a baseline um, perspective. That doesn't mean, of course, that he doesn't see an elephant and treat an elephant the same way he would treat a Brahman. Hmm. Brahmani, Gabi, Hastini, Suni, Chaiva, Sapakeja, Pandisa, Samadarshana. Sees a dog, a dog eater, and a Brahman, an elephant, all is equal. But he doesn't invite the elephant in for lunch. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so he sees them equally in that he sees them for what they are and and sees them in different conditions and different uh, measures of, of material conditioning, which the body is uh, um, constitutes a form of conditioning. The biological and psychological makeup is one thing, but all living beings equal. Um, so he's seeing what the ordinary person sees and something more and relating in both ways relative to the necessity like I said he doesn't invite the elephant in for for lunch Hmm. Um, but he also deals with an elephant and a dog and a dog eater uh, differently than than perhaps most people would, because he's seeing something more what the, what they are, and then there's this that's worshipable and uh, and so forth. So this is kind of a baseline um, of Brahmanishtam. If we look at the Brahmanishtam from a Gaudiya um, say perspective or a Vaishnav. Um, perspective in Vaishnavism um, there's another kind of uh, discrimination while there's the material discrimination that in some senses is um, obscured or seen through by the jnani the Vaishnav may have a, a, a discrimination that overlays his perspective when we see someone opposed to bhakti, an offender, um, he, he, he discriminates um, in ways that a jnani perhaps um, might not. Um, and um, 
and relative to his worshipable deity, he's going to have certain biases. If Ram likes this, he likes that. And so he has, he has likes, or she has likes and dislikes, that have a correspondence with their worship, worshipable deity, and the deities within Vaishnavism are many, and so there's a kind of, as I've said before, a bias to bhakti, um, where the jnani is, lacks any bias, he's objective, um, and the, the devotee has this super bias that transcends material bias. He's got that, um, he's overcome that, but now it's a bias towards this particular deity, particular type of devotion, and so on and so forth. And that may play out then in his, um, what appear to be uh, personal preferences that uh, for a jnani don't exist, whether it be a, a stone, a piece of gold, it's, it's all the same to him. But the Vaishnava doesn't doesn't quite see it like that, because he sees a utilization of things in the service of his of his deity, and so therefore Vaishnavera kriyamu dravigdenabujai. If someone is sitting in the forest, just uh, dressed in in copans and whatever falls from the tree he eats, it's one thing, and we might think, wow, he's pretty spiritual. Another guy is like upset because you didn't cook the doll nicely. Hmm? And you think, well, well, this guy's pretty mundane here. You know, he's like attached to the doll. You know, he, he, The other guy's just eating whatever falls from the tree. So, But it's hard, the verse I cited, it's hard to understand the Vaishnava. What are his her motives? Vaishnava kriyamudam bhijnanabhujai. So he wants to see that the doll is cooked very nicely for, for Krishna. Hmm? And certain things would be purchased. And so, so he's functioning in relation to his deity and the bias of his deity. And he appears to be a biased person like others with particular sensual particulars and so on and so forth. So difficult to trace out sometimes his spirituality. Hmm? Love as a way of, of concealing itself. Nasta prayeshu abhadrishu nitim bhagavatase. We have to look very closely at the Bhagavatam to understand it. And that means to understand the Bhagavatas. Look at the gopis. They are the prime example of the sadhus in the Bhagavatam. And they hardly look like the sage with equal vision. Mm-hmm. So it depends a little bit on the uh, spiritual orientation, what that Brahmanishtam, uh, how they will play out in terms of seeing the world. Does that help? Yeah. How do you, if somebody is in Brahmanishtam, uh, and if they're influenced by certain uh, spiritual emotion, um, how does that play out for them? Um, well, it depends. Uh, it depends on how strong the spiritual emotion is. Um, in general, it will it will drive um, their life, so to speak. We are all driven by our emotional perspective. So, an emotional perspective, which is centered on Krishna, love of Krishna, that's going to be driving the person. So, if the person the, their activities, and it's going to come through their activities. So, if someone's driven by Madhuri Rasa, for example, 
and they do their bhakti, then we're in touch with them. That's we're going to get some some scar for that. It's going to be have an influence upon us, or dasi bhakti, whatever may be the case. Um, that said, it depends how uh, powerful the influence is hmm? in terms of how it may play out in ways that will be visible and detectable to uh, to anyone else. And the Vaishnavas tend to to cover that also. But obviously we see instances in which it, it can't be covered. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the prime example. So how did it play out in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life? Well, it was very extraordinary in his life. And he was experiencing the all of the Astasattvika Vikara, the Eightfold Involuntary Transformations in the... Um, uh, sudipta, in the most the most heightened uh, stage, hmm? or all of them at once, multiplied hundreds of times. We don't have any figure in the history of the religious um, religious history of the world that um, was uh, an example of greater or even equal. Uh, embodiment of ecstasy, the descriptions by many authors, witnesses, and uh, uh, are, are very uh, um, extraordinary. Hmm? Rupa Goswami writes about it in, uh, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and he, and he says it's, that I'm going, some of the, there are other sattvika babas that, that are so rare I'm not going to mention them, and some of those appeared in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Like blood pouring from the, all the pores of his body. I mean, it's just it's, it's very. So, how does it uh, play out? It depends how intense it is. There's a point in one's progress where, where relative to progress, there'll be a tipping point. Hmm? Where the kirtan, for example, may be a tipping point. And and one will be consumed by spiritual emotion and ecstasy, or by seeing the deity, or as we advance further and further, seeing the rain cloud. See the difference? One person in, the, in a good kirtan, there's this tipping point, so to speak, and then someone else just sees a rain cloud and passes out. Mm-hmm. So the more... That there, uh, in, in in spiritual love and emotion with the deity, the more readily the tipping point. Because what you do when when you're in love is you start to read the world according to your um, you know emotional reality, what you're preoccupied with. Uh, then you read the world accordingly. Even materially, people do that. You see the uh, people who are very uh, lusty. They see everything as a as a as a sexual joke or implication or something like that. People like like that. So um, so it is with uh, with 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 bhakti. But then again, it depends on the progress. How much they can check that, and you know, it's extreme examples of like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He saw a, 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 a mountain of sand, and he thought it was a Govardhan hill, and it was. 
<laughs> That's the other thing. It was a gold downhill. Hmm? He saw the sea at night, thought it was the Jamuna, and it was the Jamuna. He went into it and he experienced the Jamuna. He experienced Govardhan Leela, Govardhan Hill. So, what is the power of, of Bhava then? Hmm? Right? Does that help? Yes. Yeah, no, excuse me. Mapa was also an external <coughs> consciousness at times, hmm? relating with the bodhis, talking about something in, in in general, asking about them. How was your wife? Hmm? So, but he also exhibited internal consciousness that was so deep that he was unaware of the external circumstances. And then sometimes in between. Hmm? Very extraordinary example. Yes? What, at what stage in our practice do we no longer get existential crises? Well, um, I don't, first of all, I don't think that the spiritual practice is the only remedy to existential crises. Hmm. Um, it is in an ultimate sense, yes, but in a relative sense, uh, a young man or young lady growing up has an existential crisis, usually in their adolescence. And when I'm tra- turning now from boyhood to, to manhood, and uh, you know, it's it's a different world. There are different rules there. Suddenly, like. I could go to jail if I do that. Hmm? There's responsibilities after a certain age. I can vote. Uh, I can drink. You know, in, in the United States, for example, other countries have their laws. But um, and there's the whole thing of you know, kind of the initiatory. You know, he's becoming a man now. We bring him in. You know, so uh, it's a uh, it's a kind of rite of passage. From adolescence to, to, in, to from boyhood to adolescence to, to manhood, and I'm sure this is similar for, you know, for the for the women folk as well. Um, so um, also in the modern side, we also find some often an existential crisis as a person goes from uh, middle age to you know the, the, the last quarter. Of their life, and they're, they're, they're trying to get used to being old, and what that's like, and how does that work, and, who, and, and and so forth. So these are just kind of normal, if you will, existential crises that have a way of uh, resolving themselves with maturation, hmm? and um, and they occur in these sundiums, these like dawns and sunsets of of changing from day to night, from boyhood to manhood. But, you know, the manhood comes on, it doesn't stop, nothing you can do about it, and suddenly you find yourself looking back and and seeing, seeing the difference between yourself <coughs> at 27 and what you were like at, you know, 21, and uh, and you can chuckle about it a little bit. So, so that's... Um, so, otherwise, in a, in a larger sense, of course, the jiva is in existential crisis. Uh, 
and uh, in, in its conditioning, throughout its, its conditioning, hmm, it's looking for itself. If itself is such it, it's looking for that. It's looking for it in matter and it's not finding it. And so it's, it's not quite fitting in. Hmm? You get these well psychologically balanced people who are comfortable in their skin types um, but um, it's only skin deep the <laughs> uh, crisis crisis goes on if you will um, and uh, the comfortable in their skin may be good to some extent but it may also blur the larger crisis that they're in, involved in and the urge to uh, in the sense of a necessity to resolve it as well. Um, if you want to call comfortable in your skin psychologically balanced and acquaint that with in some ways with sattva, then we have to remember that sattva is a, can be a, 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 a cause of complacency hmm? also to some extent. So, um, So the ultimate solution the existential crisis is to understand that you're not the body, right? And what you are, and what your potential is as a jiva to love in relation to Krishna. Um, so, um, so it's it's not a really a at what stage in bhakti does the existential crisis end? Um, in the way you're thinking about it, I don't think. Um, that's going to end just with uh, with the kind of wisdom of of living and the, and entering into the change from boyhood to manhood. Um, but um, again, at what stage does it end? Well, with liberation. Hmm? I, I guess you could say in Ruchi, it's ending. Hmm? One has a taste now for. Bhakti, the otherworldly influence, and no taste for the world, and that's driving the uh, the devotee who, who, who now, with spontaneity, engages in all the uh, um, in, in, in Krishna bhakti. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. What's the time? What else? Yes. I have a question about uh, sacred free vice. About what? Uh, about sacred free vice. Sacred uh, preface. Uh, you <coughs> mentioned there that uh, was it hard his name was it? Yeah. And uh, he had, it, had the idea that the, in Christianity the Holy Trinity would kind of uh, correspond with Satsurananda and that found it really interesting speaking, thinking of, of maybe explaining the concept of the Gaudiya philosophy to people with a Christian background or upbringing so I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about that well I didn't um, I quoted Mr. Hart at a couple of places because he had uh, his book uh, he had as his subtitle Satchitananda or an English translation of those three. Um, and um, 
he felt that it was the best uh, uh, kind of definition of God, I think, Satchidananda. So he's a, he's a Christian uh, theologian, philosopher. and uh, But it was apparent to me that in reading his book that his acquaintance with uh, in philosophy was largely with uh, mon- monastic uh, branch of it and and I thought his the way in which he interpreted the words and applied them in Christianity was un- kind of unappealing um, to me um, and knowing what they mean if you will in Vedanta then I appreciated that, yeah, they're good kind of uh, cross-cultural, non-sectarian definition of God, but then he interpreted them (laughs) in a particular way that um, it was so different than than they're used. Uh, Some similarity. So I've thought of writing him and sending him a copy of Sacred Preface and just mentioning that I cited him and, and to give him the opportunity to be acquainted with um, our particular perspective on Vedanta. But um, I don't remember the fact that he um, equated with them with the tree, Trinity. It must have been in one of the quotes of his that I um, cited. So I'm sorry I can't say uh, much, much, much more on that. But the Trinity. What do we know about the Trinity? The Trinity is God, the Holy Spirit, God, the... I always thought of it more as like Brahman, Paramatma, and uh, and Bhagavan, um, or the Son, the Son, right? It's the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. Right. Um, I can't do it tonight. I can't make a... I think in Rasa you compared the Holy Ghost to the Sukh Shakti. Okay, well... There. I think Janalik in the Hebrew Bible um, Holy Spirit is uh, feminine. Uh-huh. Not Jesus' wife, though. Mother? Mary? It seems like more <laughs> impersonal, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd have to look at what he what he what he wrote. Um, what else? Sorry. You have spoken earlier about transubstantiation, like mm. whatever we offer to the deities, they have a spiritual quality, and even the sadhaka deha, when one becomes Uttama Vaishnava, it is spiritual complete, like Mahaprabhu Tosanathamu. Mm. So, uh, the doubt, my doubt is that that thing, uh, although it is spiritual, but it behaves like a material object. Like the prasadam will become stale after some time. But in the spiritual world of Goloka or Vaikuntha, it is ever new, ever fresh. Nothing, nothing decays there, nothing. So 
the material quality is still continuous, but still it is thought to be spiritual. So the shaktis do not change, the Swarup Shakti does not change into Maya Shakti or the, the matter does not take a spiritual quality. No, no. Sorry, it does not become matter does not become consciousness. So how to understand this thing? Well, in the Gita, Krishna says that the Mahatmas are moving under the influence of the uh, Daivim Prakritim. So, under the, so if we are moving under the influence of Maya Shakti, that's one thing. And this, if we're moving this world under the influence of the Sarup Shakti, that's another thing. So it's taking a material thing, it's moving under the influence of the Sarup Shakti, but it still has its, its material qualities, mm-hmm. so subject to decay and so on and so forth, hmm? but it's it's well with regard to the, the sadhu driven by um, um, by the srup shakti rather than my shakti. So it's 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 very different, and and to have that association is to have spiritual association. Um, that said, you talk about the sadhaka deha and it's decaying and so on and so forth. But at the same time, we take the Sadakadeya of the Acharya and we entomb it and we keep the pictures of it mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So in, in one sense, it has a place in eternity. Sometimes it's described that in Gaudiya Vaishnava that it appears in, in the, in the Gaur Lila, mm-hmm. all looking young and fresh, mm-hmm. yeah, but recognizable. <laughs> so uh, it's a mystery. It's one of the mysteries of faith and uh, elements of faith in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as it is in Catholicism, where the wine and the bread are transformed into the, into the as they think, as the body and the blood of the, of the Christ and and so forth. Um, and at the same time, um, What is spiritual and and, and 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 what is material is a kind of a there's a fuzzy fuzzy line there, mm-hmm. um, and within there's no decay that's true in the spiritual world, but um, there is time that functions in terms of sequence, and things do come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's take Krishna in this world. Krishna's body is spiritual, but he goes through his Kumar Leela, enters his Poganda Leela, from his Poganda Leela he enters his Kishore Leela, and his, when he's in his Kishore Leela, his Poganda and his Kumar Leela are not visible. They seem to have, but still they are playing out in the hearts of some devotees somewhere, hmm? at all times. Hmm? They're existing somewhere, so... Um, maybe with the bodies of the sadhus, they're all existing somewhere. The purified sadhakadeya—that's one way to look at it. It has a place in eternity. Then that said, of course, you build temples. They're fully used in Krishna's service, but they break down. Deities break sometimes, and so on and so forth. And we have to probably think of that as uh, Krishna acting in ways that uh, that uh, transcends our ability to understand at the moment, maybe later. So, 
For example, in Gorlila we find that the Mughals invaded Vrindavan, mm-hmm. the deity of Srinathji was on Govardhan, and um, so he, he appeared in a dream to the Pujari and said, take me and hide me. Mughals came and dest- destroyed the temple. The deity was, 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 was safe and hidden in a house at the foot of Govardhan Hill. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, he wanted to have the darshan of the deity, but he didn't want to walk on Govardhan Hill. And he found out, oh, the deity's just right here. Hmm? So the deity was moving himself and causing his temple to be decayed or destroyed and so that he could give the darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he wouldn't have to walk on Govardhan Hill. <laughs> so in, with, for, with hindsight and so forth, you could kind of put these things together in ways that show the hand of Krishna's involved even in the uh, the decay, the destruction, taking the life of a devotee when he wants to. And, uh, Prabhupada, of course, described the way in which the Surup Shakti influences the Maya Shakti as the difference between gold and a gold-plated box. So one thing is to have gold, which is like purely spiritual, and things of material, but overridden um, by the Sarup Shakti, so you can have an iron box, and it's gold-plated. So, in his analogy, for all intents and purposes, it functioned like a gold box, unless you try to take it to a goldsmith and sell it. That's another example that's given. Baladeva uh, invokes that example also in the sutras. If you take the iron rod, you put it in the fire, touch it somebody, they'll think they got touched by fire, not by iron. So it has some way of overriding, and for its purpose, for its time, you can look at it like that, for its purpose and time, and then the purpose is accomplished, and then it goes, something like that. <laughs> yes? Uh, just a question about, is it... Um did you say something about somebody being in Brahman? Not being in Brahman, but having in, in a Brahmanishya state. And are they still able to understand the, the dynamics of Rasa or Baba when they encounter it and still be on a kind of, kind of detached state but understand it? What's going on? Well, if they're Vaishnavas in their Brahmanishtam, then they understand that. If they're not Vaishnavas, then, then, and then they wouldn't understand it. And I don't know if I understand your question. <laughs> but uh, the way you phrase it, that's a short, short answer. Right, I think we'll stop there. Shri Siddhaji Gopal Ki Jai, Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai, Guru Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Guru Premanandi.